Would you turn with me this morning to 1 Peter, the second chapter, and let's continue on in what the Lord has led us to do. He said, you as living stones, verse 5, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. First Chronicles 16.29, don't turn there, but he said, give to the Lord the glory he deserves. Bring your offering and come to worship him. Worship the Lord in all his holy splendor. Come and worship the Lord and bring your offering. I don't think that's been emphasized like it should be. Uh, sometimes people have been afraid to say much about offerings. Because people want to talk and yeah, yeah, and say negative things about it. But man, when you get in the word, the Lord told his people, he said, come before me these certain times. And he said, don't come empty. What's that mean? Bring your offerings. Right? Now, that's not a man talking. That's not a preacher talking. That's the Lord. He said, come before me. And if you look at it, he commanded them to party. He did read it sometime. He said, don't be sad. He said, come and rejoice. And bring your offerings. Come and rejoice. Worship God. So, you know, uh, two of their major parties that they had every year was when they begin to get their harvest in. Well, you know, I mean, God has blessed you. I mean, he rained on your crops, right? He protected your crops from the uh, bugs and uh, things that would eat it up, the devourer. And uh, you're beginning to reap your harvest off of seed that you've sown. You ought to give God thanks. And they'd bring him first fruits. And we talked about that. And then when they got the whole rest of the harvest in, they'd have another big party. (laughs) And what? Giving thanks to God for all this bounty and all this provision. How many know that God is your source? And when something good happens for you, you ought to remember him. Right? You ought to give him thanks. You ought to talk about it and you ought to bring offerings. Not to people, not just be thinking about people, but to the Lord. But the thing is, how do you get it to God? FedEx don't go that far. (laughs) Or UPS or the postal service. How do you get it to God? Well, he said, inasmuch as you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. So you can buy the Lord lunch today. You could pay off the Lord's car. You could buy the Lord some new clothes. By the way, how you like my new suit, man? I t- Phyllis bought me another new suit. Shoo! I tell you what, can't preach in this, you just got problems. My staff bought me these shoes. These things are happening. A New Orleans alligator. Yeah, man. Some of my members bought me this watch. It's got diamonds on it. Somebody sent me this ring just a few days ago. Whew. I'm blessed. Somebody said, well, what do you wear all that? Is that stuff expensive? Uh-huh. Yeah. What you wear it for? Well, I'm not ashamed of it. And when the Lord does things for you, don't make a thousand excuses for, well, I got this on sale, you know, and so it wasn't that much. What if it was much? So? Well, that's another sermon, ain't it? You hear all the people that begin to go, eh, 
<laughs> it's not what you've got or how much it costs. It's what? How you got it. That's the deal. And when the Lord adds to you, the blessing of the Lord does what? Makes rich. And he adds no sorrow with it. And he ought to get all the glory for it. Amen. So we studied here. We began talking some weeks ago about the offerings of the Lord. And we've gone through a number of things. We talked about the very first offerings in Genesis that we looked at, which actually was a first fruit. And we saw that, you know, God accepts some offerings and some he does not. We talked about precious seed. We talked about the free will offering. We talked about tithes. We talked about first fruits. We talked about honoring the Lord with your substance. Remember he said, honor the Lord. One translation said, with your capital, with your sufficiency. And so shall your barns be filled to overflowing. And plenty and your presses will burst out with new wine. How many like full storage places and new stuff? Well, what's the first part of it? Honor the Lord, not just with your words, with your what? With your stuff, with your substance and the first fruits of all your increase. Now, let's get into a different category of offering today. Would you turn, please, to the sixth chapter of Matthew? And if you didn't bring a Bible with you today... If you'd hold up your hand, our ushers are there in the aisle with Bibles, use one of ours. Maybe you got two or three at home, but you didn't bring one. Hold up your hand, use one of ours, turn and find, we're going to Matthew 6 right now. Take the effort, take the time to turn and look at it, let your eyes rest on it, remind yourself, this is not just what Brother Keith said, this is what the Lord said, and it'll get in you better that way. Matthew 6. I'm excited about this this morning. You know, the cook gets to taste the cooking before the meal. (laughs) I'll tell them that's why these cooks are not hungry either. They go, oh, no, I'm not hungry. Well, they've been tasting the whole last three hours. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Matthew 6. In Matthew, the sixth chapter and the first verse, who's talking here? Jesus, the master. He said... Take heed. Now when the Lord says take heed, what should you do? How would we say that today? We'd probably say watch out. Right? Watch out. Watch. That you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise you have what? Not much reward. No. How much? No reward of your Father which is in heaven. Take heed that you don't do this. That you don't do your alms, A-L-M-S, before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward from God our Father. So let's talk today about alms. Offerings, alms giving. I know from some small experience, this is a misunderstood area. Sometimes people, you know, as we've gone through, we've seen there are numerous different kinds of offerings. But a lot of people just lumped them all together. As you see, this is the kind of offering that the Bible said, uh, don't let one hand know what the other one's doing. Right? 
fact, let's just read it while we're here. Let's just keep reading it. Verse 2. He said, therefore, when you do your alms, when you do what? Alms. Do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily, I say to you, they have their reward. What does that mean, they have their reward? People seeing them. And whatever that was worth is it. <laughs> That's all they're getting out of this deal. The synagogue was the uh, what's comparable to the church today. And so these guys would sound a trumpet in the church. What, what, what's happening? So-and-so's about to give to the poor. Is that right? To make sure that they had everybody's attention and that they knew what they were doing and I guess how much and who it was going to. What did the Lord say? Don't do that. He said, take heed that you don't do that. Watch. Well now, anytime the Lord says something like that, don't assume that you know that you're not doing that in any degree. Do what he said. Don't just say, oh, no, I'm not doing that. I'd never do that. Then you're not taking heed. You assume you don't need to take heed because you got it under so much control. Now, if the Lord says take heed, what do you do? You should take account and examine yourself and ask yourself, not just one day, but next week and the next and next month, am I doing this? Are you doing what? Am I doing something For somebody else to notice me. Or am I doing it because I want somebody to know. Because the Lord said take heed that you don't do that. Because if you do you'll lose all your spiritual and eternal reward for that particular thing. The only benefit you'll get out of it is whatever satisfaction somebody knowing about it. And if they said anything. Well that ain't much. And people can say something and not even mean it. They can go, oh, that's nice. (laughs) And they're just making conversation. They could care less. So is it that important that people know what you do for somebody who's needy? I'm going to go over that real slow again. (laughs) Is it important that other people know what you do or what you've done for somebody who's in need? No, Mm -mm. it's important that you don't do it to be noticed at all, right? Now keep reading. He said, verse 3, but when you do alms, does the Lord expect that we'll be doing them? Obviously he does. When you do alms, let not your left hand know what your right hand does. Now that's a figure of speech. What does that mean? You do it very discreetly. Right? You do it very privately. Very discreetly. That your alms may be in secret. Of course, you're going to know about it. And the person who receives something is going to know about it. But who else needs to know? Nobody else needs to know about that. 
And your father, which sees in secret himself, shall reward you openly. You're going to get blessing on your life from this that other people can see. People who didn't see what you did in private. Oh, there's a lot of revelation right here. Even the way this is worded, the Lord himself. The Lord doesn't throw words around like this. In fact, just hold your place here and go over to Proverbs real quickly. Proverbs 19th chapter. And if you got a ribbon or something, mark Proverbs and mark this place so we can go back and forth. Because we're going to look at some other places in Proverbs. Proverbs 19. Oh, thank you, Lord. Are you there? Proverbs 19 and verse 17. Proverbs 19, 17. He that has pity upon the poor does what? Lends to the Lord. How many other places in the word have you heard where it said you loaned the Lord something? Not much. And that which he has given, will he pay him again? Now, do you see something here? Because in Matthew, what did he say? Your alms, which are given in secret, your father, which sees in secret himself shall reward you openly. This is strong language. Let me read another translation of this. The New Living says, If you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord, and He will repay you. Who? He takes it personally, like you loaned Him something personally. How many believe the Lord is good for whatever He says He's going to repay? The Bible said, when you give to the poor, when you help the poor, you are loaning that to the Lord. The Lord takes it as a personal loan (laughs) to the Almighty. And he says, I will pay it back. Now, how many know when the Lord pays it back, it won't just be nickel for nickel, right? I mean, when the Lord pays it back. You're going to know it. And he said, other people didn't know what you did in secret. But when I pay it back, people are going to see it. I'm going to do that openly. Now, this is something we should keep in mind because you'll see sometimes people that just get blessed and get blessed. And other people don't know why. And they'll think, that don't seem fair to me. How come they got so much? And they hear more's coming on them. And these people don't have it. Well, you don't know. I don't know everything you sow. You don't know everything I sow. So how could we judge each other's harvest when we don't know what each other sowed? That's when we're told to just not judge each other anyway. Right? And if you get more and more and more, I ought to be just happy for you. Right? And just understand and assume, if God's pouring out blessing on you, he knows what he's doing. Right? And if he's doing things for you that he hadn't been doing for somebody else, he's got a good reason why. He's righteous. He's fair. He's just. 
Well, here is an area where you will qualify for blessings and increase and God take a personal interest in your public (laughs) prosperity. When you have an interest in helping people in need. Now, when we say alms, the word alm, let me give you some definitions here because sometimes we don't use these words so much in modern usage. But when, uh, when you say alms in the New Testament, it literally means compassionateness. I'm reading from the original word dictionaries. Compassionateness. And one says in particular, as exercised towards the poor. Everybody say compassion. Now the King James sometimes uses the word pity. And this is a word that our modern society doesn't care for. And it's just a matter of how words are used. So, you know, sometimes as years pass and centuries pass, a word can mean something completely different a century or two later than it did in the beginning. And you hear people sometimes that are in need, but they say, I don't want any charity. I don't want nobody pitying me. (laughs) Well, do you want anybody loving you? Oh, well, that's a different thing. (laughs) That's what the Lord is talking about. And I would differentiate it like this. You know, we talked earlier about how Jesus saw sick people. And the Bible said he was moved with what? Compassion toward them. That doesn't mean he just felt sorry for them. Oh, no, no, no. Compassion is not just feeling sorry for somebody. That's where people have gotten off. No. Feeling sorry for somebody and being depressed over their situation and crying and feeling bad and just hurting and that's the end of it is unbelief and cannot please God. Compassion is a manifestation of the love of God. And the love of God can't be separated from faith. God is love. Is God the God of faith? Oh, yeah. Jesus didn't just look at people and say, oh, bless your heart. You're pitiful. I just, I feel sorry for you. I do. Hmm. See, people think that is 80% of modern Christianity is just that. Just looking at people and go, bless your heart. I feel so sorry for you. It's pitiful. I cried half the night about it. And so now do we feel any better? Do they feel any better? Do you feel any better? Is it any better? Then what good is that? Hmm? If I'm having a rough time, it wouldn't make me feel better because you went around depressed over it. If things are good in your life, go ahead and enjoy it, brother. Don't let my problem mess up your parade. Have some fun. If we're just going to believe, we just do the best we can while we can. Well, have fun while you can. No. No. Compassion 
is being touched with the feeling of someone's needs. But not just getting into pity about it. When you're touched, you might shed a tear. Something might come up in your heart and move you, but you don't just wallow in the depression with them. You say, oh, no, no, we got a God who can fix that. You don't have to live like that. What do we do? We're touched with it. But we don't get down with it. We don't yield to the depression and the grief. See, people, I know it's just lack of understanding, but they'll see a slum area or they'll see a bad situation and they just say, oh, I just grieved me so bad. I just couldn't stand it for six months and I just couldn't get over it. Well, you missed it then. You missed it. What does that help? And because of that, a lot of times people, their solution is just avoid the whole thing. Just don't think about it. Just don't look at it because it makes me feel bad. That's not a solution either. What do you do? You are one person in a great big world. There's a lot. You could give everything you got to your name and it wouldn't put a dent in the needs of this world. Right? So does that mean you do nothing? No. What does it mean? You do your part. You do what the Lord leads you to do. And what if all of us did what the Lord led us to do worldwide? Where the world would change. Right? But you are not to go around trying to carry the weight of the needs of the world on your shoulders to prove that you're a good Christian because you're depressed all the time over the hungry and the needy of the world. Just means you're faithless. Did you hear me? And you're trying to impress somebody that you're more sensitive and you care more than the rest of us. And it's a lie. It's a form of spiritual pride. It's ugly before the eyes of the Lord. No. You see a need. What do you do? You check your heart. Am I supposed to do something about this? Right? If the Lord leads you, then you act. Right? Yeah, but there's lots of other needs. I know that, and I'm not God. Nor are you. There's so much talk and so little action. There's so much confusion. It's not okay to try to act like you're the Savior and the source and the provider for the whole world. That's acting like way too big for your britches. (laughs) You can't meet the needs of Branson. Hmm? Or Blue Eye or Hollister. Must less the world. What can you do? You can do something. I said you can do something. And there's something that's right for you to do. You're here in Proverbs, aren't you? While we're here, let's back up and look at the blessing that comes as a result of being merciful to the poor. What is alms? Let me review that just a little bit first. What is alms? Literally, it's compassionateness. It's having compassion on who? Well, you know, different verses use the word poor. What does that mean? Well, if you looked at the context of it, usually it means needy 
usually you see these areas needing clothes, needing food, needing housing, the basic elements. You see that a whole lot. But it's needing. And you know, we talked about prosperity is to succeed in reaching. That means you don't run out. Well, what's the opposite of that? You don't have enough. You don't have enough food to satisfy your hunger. You don't have enough uh, clothes to cover yourself. You don't have enough housing to be adequate. Well, that's needy, that's poor, and that's alms. When you give something to help alleviate that need. Now, in the book of Proverbs, let's just go well back up to the book of Psalms. Excuse me. Mm-mm. Moving too fast. Proverbs is a good place. 14. There's so much of this in the word. We could stay on this for 10 weeks. There's so much in here. So I'm endeavoring to condense it. But why are we talking about this today? Why do we talk about anything in the word? So we can do it. I mean it is absolutely fruitless. For us to come in here. And me preach for an hour or two or three and for you to listen and take notes or get a tape and do nothing with it. What good does that do? No good at all. So we must, you and I, we must come together and look at the word and go, okay. We don't look at it and go, whoo, yeah, the whole world ought to be doing that. People ought to be. See, how many understand so many churches, they come together and then they leave and they go eat and they go, yeah, you know, people ought to do that. Churches ought to do that. The whole world ought to be, well, whoop-de-doo. What does that mean? No, we got to take it personally. Right here, right? How does this apply to me? What am I supposed to do with this? How can I put this in practice? Right? And then do what? When you get light and you see how, do it. Everybody say, do it. Say it again. Are you a doer? Say it out loud like we do. I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the word of God. You got your place in Proverbs there? Good. Hold that and go to James. (laughs) James 2. Are you there? Y'all are quick and sharp and bright. Good looking. That's right. And... Very rich and a major blessing. Major blessing. That's you. James 2 and verse 14. He said, what does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he has faith and has not works? Can faith, can that kind of faith save him? Now, in this chapter, he differentiates between dead faith and living faith. Did you know there's such a thing as dead faith? What is dead faith? Dead faith is claiming you believe something, but no action. Does that kind of faith get results? None. And here's the example he gives. Verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, though a man says he has faith and has not works? Verse 15. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food. Now, you'd call that poor, wouldn't you? Now, a lot of us have experienced different degrees of poverty. I did growing up. We have. Even Phyllis and I, after we were married in the ministry, you know, 
we were poor in different areas on numerous occasions. But here he's talking about, you know, there is not having enough food for a day and there's not having enough food to live, to exist. There are different degrees of this, but it's all bad. And if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food and one of you say to them, depart in peace and be warmed and filled. Notwithstanding, you give them not those things which are needful to the body. What does it profit? In other words, what good does that do? Now here he's given an example of faith without works. I have this in another translation. He said it like this. He said, suppose there are brothers and sisters who need clothes. Now let's go over this again. Who that needs clothes? This is not just anybody. This is who? I think this is something that a lot of folk have not understood. Our first obligation is to fellow believers, not just anybody. And you got to watch about taking your resources that God gave you and helping people who curse God and persecute Christianity. Did you hear me? That ain't okay. I say, yeah, but they're hungry. Well, if the Lord leads you to, I didn't say you couldn't do something for somebody that wasn't a Christian, but you have to be led. But you know your first order of responsibility is who? Fellow believers. See, God intended. You know, I've had some minister acquaintances of mine. Who in times past, the Lord dealt with them to take a lot of food into an area or to take a lot of resources. This one particular man, I won't call his name, fine man of God. And the Lord dealt with him. And I mean, he took boatloads of stuff in. And they said, well, you know, who does this go to? He said, the churches. Christian churches. They said, not everybody. He said, not everybody. They said, what? He said, I said it. Christian churches. Well, they thought that was awful. But see, God intended that people see a difference. Did you hear me? Someone wanted to push him about it. He said, pray to your God. If he's God, he'll take care of you. These people spit on God. They killed missionaries and rejected him for their religion and their God. Did you hear me? You have to watch about that kind of thing. Well, we just see people in different parts of the world have completely relegated Christianity to just a humanitarian outreach and said that our main job is to just help the poor. It is not. Our main job is to preach the gospel. That's our main job. Did you hear me? Our main job. The biggest part of our focus are to be on that. Now, with that, we're to do things for the poor too. But our first obligation, he says, if a brother, not everybody's our brother. If a brother or a sister is naked, destitute of daily food. (laughs) Some people didn't like that. (laughs) Well, that's the way it is. And see, what God intended is that we take such good care of our own that other people want to join the club. Right? 
that whether it's here or in Africa or anywhere that people come to realize and find out, hey, you become a part of that church, you're set. You will never be alone again. You'll never go hungry again. Right? Why? Because you got family. People say, well, we're, it's, we're all one family in the world. No, we are not. No, we are not. People talk about with well, the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man. No, there's two families in the earth. There are those who are born again. And they're in the family of God. And there are those who are not. And they are of their father, the devil. They're not our brothers. Did you hear me? We'd like for them to be. Want them to be. And I'm not saying you can't do anything for somebody who's hurting, who's not a Christian. I didn't say that. Right? There'll be times the Lord leads you to. But our first responsibility is to who? The family of God. Our brothers and sisters. Our poor ones, our hurting ones, our needy ones that are in the family. Are we supposed to take care of our own? Yes, we are. And it's supposed to be a powerful witness to people outside where they see how well we treat each other. Didn't Jesus say, by this will all men know that you are mine. You are my disciples. By what? That you love one another as I have loved you. How did he love us? He loved us so much. He gave us everything. Right? And we love each other, so we give to each other. We take care of each other. Hallelujah. Something to think about. Back to Proverbs. So much good word. I'm talking about what I'm looking at here. And so little time. Proverbs, are you there? Again, let's look at a couple of other verses here in Proverbs. Because it talks about responsibility. And it talks about something that I want you to particularly be aware of. The blessing. That comes on those who do this. Now we've already seen that if you give to the poor, you lend to the Lord. And he takes it personally that he personally will repay you. Now in uh, Proverbs, I think 14 is where we'll start. There's a bunch of these, but for time's sake, we'll just look at a few. Proverbs 14 and 21. He said, he that despises his neighbor sins, but he that has mercy on the poor, happy is he. Now that's alms, that's giving alms, is having mercy, having compassion, and helping someone who's in need. And he said, you'll be what? You want to be happy? How many want to be happy in here? Then what should you do? Help. Those that are needy, that are poor. Go to the uh, 17th chapter. Proverbs 17. Proverbs 17 and 5. Whoso mocks the poor does what? Reproaches his maker. And he that is glad at calamities shall not be unpunished. So no more poor jokes. Huh? No more riding by and making fun of somebody's house. Let me see, but I don't know them. So? 
Just because you don't know them doesn't make it alright to make fun of their stuff. Would you look how pitiful that place is? Repent right then. Hmm? You look how shabby that is. How raggedy that is. How ratty that is. Why do you need to say something like that? That's somebody's stuff. Right? I know we were, some friends of mine, Pastor, we were riding through a place one time. And it was a real rough, rough neighborhood. And there were some uh, young folks out there that were trying to act bad and tough. And, I mean, they had all kind of stuff that they were doing. They they looked demonic. And uh, a lot of people would have just made disparaging remarks about them and drove on. And this pastor's wife that was there, she spoke out she, with a tear in her eye. She said, that's somebody's baby. She's thinking like a mother, right? And thinking godly. She said, that's somebody's baby. And it is. Just because you don't know somebody doesn't make it okay to make judgmental, disparaging, disrespectful remarks. Right? They may be doing good for where they are. Right? There was a time if you'd have come by and saw mine and Phyllis's place and stuff. You'd have thought it was pretty bad. But that's where we were. Did you hear me now? That's where you are. No shame in being poor. But you don't have to stay there. You can come up. God will bless you. He'll increase you if you'll believe him and receive it. Right? And you know no matter how much God blesses you. Never get to the place where you can't appreciate what would be to you a small blessing. Where you can't genuinely rejoice with somebody else's victory. Even though it might seem like a real small thing to you. Because God's brought you so far. That's not a justification to get haughty. Is it? No. Remember where you were. Remember where he brought you from. Were you glad when God, you know, you believed for your first five dollars? Were you happy about it when you got your first pair of shoes, even if they were used? Huh? Were you happy about it? Well, then be able to rejoice with somebody else that is at that place right now. Because everybody's at different places in this thing. You know, that's one reason we do some of the things. You might think some of the things that we talk about and give testimony is almost not big enough to talk about. But it is. Depends on where you're at as to how big it is. So why would somebody call $20 a chunk? Depends on where you're at. Right? If you've been dealing with ones and twos. Right? You've been dealing with fives and here's a 25. Hey. Here we go. Right? But then we ought not be daunted by the million dollar chunks either. Right? They don't have to seem too big to us. All of us, there's a lot of people here. And so you got to remember that in services. So many times people think, well, you know, why is he going over that again? You're not the only one here. (laughs) Well, I learned that 10 years ago. You think. But there are people maybe sitting right behind you. This is the first time they've ever heard it. So, you know, have a mentality that's bigger than what's going on between your ears. And be aware of all the other people that are in the world with you. 
and that they have a life too, and that things are going on with them too. And it's not all about moi. <laughs> oh, I say some stuff sometimes, don't I? I say it in love. You're Proverbs 17, right? Is it okay to make fun of the poor? Okay to make fun of people's stuff? Laugh at their car? Hmm? It's not okay. So just get rid of the poor jokes. You understand what I'm saying about that now? Just eliminate that from your vocabulary. It is not okay for you to ride around and look down your nose at anybody's anything. Or to make little quips and remarks about how doggy that is or how ratty that is or how raggedy. No, no, no. That's not love. Well, I don't know them. Well, you might get to know them next week. You don't know. Right? God may deal with you to bless them. Right? And if you're thinking that way, you're not even on the right frequency to hear from God. The gifts of the Spirit work by love. And faith works by love. And so if you're in the love frequency, in the love vein, then God can tell you all kind of things and use you for all kind of things. Like that woman looked and said, that's somebody's baby. Well, see, that's caring. That's love. Look at another one or two here. While you're in Proverbs, look at the uh, 28th chapter. Now, for time's sake, I'm only giving you just a small fraction of these. If you're interested, get out in your concordance and begin to go through. You'll see there's a lot of this in the Word. Proverbs 28, 27. 28, 27. He that gives to the poor, What? Man, that's a word. He that gives to the poor shall not lack. But he that hides his eyes shall have many a curse. What does that mean? It means you see something, you know something, you're aware of it. God deals with you about it. And you just don't want to think about it. You don't want to know about it. Well, that opens the door for curse. But what if you give to the poor? Man, this is a strong word right here. Do you see this? The English version says it like this. Give to the poor and you will never be in need. Well, that's another way of saying you won't lack. Man, that's something for us to shout about right here, right now. If you are an alms giver, if you are somebody that God can tap on the shoulder anywhere, anytime and say, hey, do something about that. Help that. Sow something on that. Take care of that then you will never lack personally. It's the universal law of sowing and reaping. You're taking care of other people's needs. Your needs will be taken care of. It's the law of sowing and reaping. Say it out loud. If I help the poor, help other people's needs. I will never lack. Now that's a statement. I didn't say it. You didn't say it. God said it in His Word. You will never lack. Man, I like the never lack. Don't you? (laughs) Never? That means I wouldn't have to give two thoughts about the whole rest of my life. 
I will never, if I do what the Lord tells me on this, I will never be in a place of lack personally, in my family, in my ministry. Never be in lack. I believe I can stand on that. Don't you believe? If we will do it, I believe we can stand on this. Say it out loud. Never lack. Give to the poor. Never lack. Hallelujah. Go to the book of Psalms, Psalm 41, I believe it is. Let's talk a little bit more on this part about the blessing of those who have mercy on the poor. There is a blessing, and I mean it is a great blessing, and it is from the Lord personally, personally, to those who have mercy on and help the poor. In Psalms, what does I say, 41? And then we're going on over to Psalm 112. In Psalm 41, let me review just a little bit. If you have mercy and give to the poor, what did this last verse say would happen to you? What? You would never lack. Now that's a word. That's a word. Now here's another one that you're going to be just as happy about. Psalm 41 and verse 1. 41.1, blessed is he that considers the poor. Now, other translations bring out, you know, those who are concerned for the poor, those who have mercy on the poor. Well, you know, we've already talked about faith without works is dead. So this is assuming you don't just concern, but you do something. Blessed. Is there a blessing for those who care about others in need? You're blessed. What will happen? The Lord will deliver him in the time of trouble. See, it's the law of sowing and reaping. Here's somebody that you happen to come across, they're in trouble. They're about to get kicked out of their apartment. And the Lord deals with you. Help them. Help them so they can stay and get on their feet and get something straightened out. Well, what about you if something comes up in your life? Is God going to remember that? You know it. And he will deliver you in any situation that comes up in your life, any trouble that you see. Verse 2, keep reading though, man, it it covers a lot of area here. The Lord will preserve him. Him who? Him who has mercy on the poor. And will keep him alive. See, you could get a bad report from the doctor and say you're going to die. And you could come right back to the house and open this thing up and say, Now, Lord, (laughs) you know (laughs) that uh, I've done what you told me to do in helping other people. And you told me if I would, you'd keep me alive. It gets more specific. And he will be what? Blessed when he gets to heaven. No, no, thank God you will, but blessed right here upon the earth, right here, right now. And, man, this just keeps going on. I mean, either one of these would be enough to shout about the rest of the day. And you will not deliver him into the will of his enemies. I don't care what the devil has planned for you. What he tries to pull off, God will say, "Uh uh-uh, no. No, this man's in covenant with me. I told him that if he would have mercy on people in need, I would back him. 
And I would take care of him. (sighs) Keep reading. The Lord will strengthen him on the bed of languishing. You will make all his bed in his sickness. The margin talks about you'll turn his bed. In other words, you'll turn it around. Let me read this to you from another translation. Said, happy are those concerned for the poor. The Lord will help them when they're in trouble. The Lord will protect them and preserve their lives. You're going down the road. Phyllis and I, this happened to us. We were going down the road. It was a four-lane road. And uh, you know, we'd been in the ministry. And we had helped other people already numerous times. And obeying the Lord best we knew how. Made mistakes but repented. And we're going down the road. All at once. Here comes this car flying down the road. Lost control. Comes up over the median. And is heading right toward us. And we're traffic on every side. You can't move. What can you do? You can't go backwards. You can't turn. Traffic's on every side. He's headed straight toward us. Dirt's flying. Rocks are flying. You know just seconds before impact. I mean. (laughs) Phyllis is sitting right there. How quick was I mean, it happened so fast you almost blink your eye. Right before it hit us, how did it happen? It turned and just went somewhere else. It was headed right straight toward us. Why it turned didn't even make sense to me. Except some big old angel grabbed that bumper and moved it somewhere else. <laughs> we just sit there and said, huh, thank you, Lord. Because, I mean, you're looking right at the bumper of this thing and just like that. Whew. Well, this is the kind of thing he's talking about. He said, the Lord will protect them. Them who? People that have mercy on the poor. And preserve their lives. He will make them happy in the land. We already saw that before one time, didn't we? You'll be happy. You help other people. It's some of the most fun you've ever had in your life. To get blessed to the point where you can help other people. You never had so much fun. I'm telling you. And it's also why you've got to be blessed financially and materially. If you are the poor, how much can you do for the poor? Not much. So you've got to have resources. And you can't be taking all the faith and all your work the whole week to just get enough to make your little bills and payments. How can you have a vision for helping somebody else when it's taking everything you've got just to subsist? Nah, you got to have your stuff done. Oh, that was a little weak. you got to have your houses paid for and your cars paid for and all this stuff. Did you hear me? And money just coming in on the right and left and front and back. What do I do with it? There's a whole world around you. What do you mean, what do you do with it? You finance the gospel. You accomplish the work of God in the earth and you help the poor. You help people who are in need as God leads you. Hallelujah. That's why you must be rich. That's a little weak. I said that is why you must be rich. You must be rich. 
said out loud, I must be rich. Yeah. That's why. He went on to say, he will not abandon them to the power of their enemies. You will never be left a helpless victim in the hands of your enemies. <laughs> the Lord will help them when they are sick and restore them to health, the English version said. Well, that's what it means to turn it around. You know, so many times in Jesus' ministry, they'd bring somebody in on a bed, and when they went out, the bed was on them. That's called turning it around. Right? That's what it means. We will turn his bed. That's so the English version translated it that way. Let me read it again. Those who have mercy on the poor and help the poor. What did it say? The Lord will help them when they are sick and will restore them to health. Can you take another one? Can you take another? Go to Psalm 112. <laughs> Y'all are getting this. I'm a getting it. Whoo, Psalm 112. Now this is quoted in the New Testament from Psalm 112. Actually in 2 Corinthians 9, 9. The passage we're about to read is quoted in the New Testament. Read verse, I'm going to read verse 1, follow along with me, Psalm 112, 1. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that fears the Lord, that delights greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon earth. That's here and now. Right? The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth. And riches shall be in his house. I wish everybody in this house believed that. Huh? Are you the righteous? Do you love God? Do you delight in doing what he told you to do in his commandments? Then what about you? Your seed will be mighty on the earth. You will be blessed in this life. Wealth and riches will be in your house. We ought to say that three times. Say it out loud. Wealth and riches shall be in my house. I got a few folks, thank God, not too many, but a few folks just looking at me like this. Do you realize now, I did not write this. I did not write this. I don't like it that way. This is the Bible, my brother, my sister. What do you mean you don't like it? See, the thing is, people have got some goofy, some people got some stupid ideas about God and who he is and what he is and how he is. We got to get our minds renewed, renewed with the word of God. Well, I don't need wealth and riches. Then you haven't been listening at all. You do need extra resources. Far beyond your personal necessities and desires, you need ability and resources. What? Help people. 
Food, clothes, houses. Help get them out of debt. Help get them out of trouble. Where does it start? Right here. Right here in this church. People that are in front of you and behind you and beside you. Our first place responsibility is our own. Hallelujah. God's doing something here. This thing's going to burn in your hearts long after the service is over today. And in mine. Keep reading. Wealth and riches. You need to take your pen right now. And where it says his. You need to write big two letters right there. M-Y. My. Wealth and riches shall be in my house. Of course you'd have to have a house. And if you were in faith about it, you'd go ahead right now and get excited about your house and about it being full of wealth and riches in my house, in my house, in my house, wealth in my house, riches in my house, wealth and riches in my house. And then in the process of time, people come by and they see you. They go, whoo what is that? Where did that come from? Say, hey, let me show you something. Right here. Look right here. Psalm 112. Let me show you something. God brought this to pass. I used to didn't have a house. Now I got a house. A nice house. I used to didn't have nothing but junk. Now I got wealth. I got riches, and I'm able to help people all around me. How would you like to be able to have the resources to do something for your whole community? So that there's people griping about something going, well, isn't that ugly up there in that particular area of our little community? And you say, well, hey, I'll fix it. What do you mean? Well, I think it'll cost $50,000. Okay. Go ahead and get started on it. Right? Why not? And then every time somebody comes through there, they say, well, man, who did that? Did they add a new sales tax in the community? Here? No, who did? no, that was that, you know, brother so-and-so. He goes to that faith bunch over there. They're part of that prosperity-believing bunch, you know. Can you see why the devil has been so hard against prosperity because see this is key to our witness it's key to us keeping the commandment of love toward everybody around about us it's a part of it big part of it say it one more time wealth Wealth and riches riches shall be be in my house house. now keep reading here he said and his righteousness endures forever to the upright there arises light in the darkness Because he, this person that he's been talking about the whole time, is gracious. And what? Full of compassion and righteous. A good man shows favor and lends. How can you lend when you owe everybody in the country? See, God's got to get us to a different place, right? For these things to come to pass. Lends. He will guide his affairs with what? 
Now see, we've talked about that. See, in helping other people, we must be discreet. We've already seen that other places. With discretion, you're not a loud mouth. You're not a show off. Right? Never try to impress others. Just be impressive. Never try to impress. Just be impressive. Which is another way of saying be a witness. Be victorious. He went on to say surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be had in everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings of bad news. His heart is fixed. Trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid till he see his desire upon his enemies. He has dispersed. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. The wicked will see it and be grieved and gnash with his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked will perish. Listen to this. He gives generously to those in need. This is the New Living, verse 9. Their good deeds will never be forgotten. They will have influence and honor. Listen to this. Man, I like this. The English version says, He gives generously to the needy, and his kindness never fails. He will be powerful and respected. Mm. Do you like that? (laughs) He or she will be powerful and respected. Why? He gives generously to the needy and his kindness never fails. Isn't that like our God? Isn't that letting him manifest himself through us? Somebody say, that's me. Stand on your feet, please. Oh, thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you. Lift up your heart before the Lord and pray this prayer after me, please. Father God, I believe your words. I take them as directly from you to me personally. Show me how to live this, how to put it into practice, how to understand it and do it. Bring into my control abundant resources, excess Plenty to do these things with. And I'll not be selfish. I'll do what you say. I will give. I'll bless others. I will help others in need as you've blessed me. Freely I receive. Freely I give to others. Get glory to yourself in it. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, 
you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.